Hello and uh, welcome everybody to this seminar, uh, Tanzania from Nyerere to Magufuli. Um, my name is Johan, I'm the director at the Norwegian Council for Africa, Fellesrode for Africa, and this seminar is part of our 50 years anniversary week of activities and seminars. Um, now, as you might, may know, the Norwegian Council for Africa, or originally the Norwegian Council for Southern Africa, was formed in November of 1967 um, as the Norwegian anti-apartheid movement and the movement for the liberation of the Portuguese colonies. Uh, in other words, our origin is not directly linked to Tanzania. Uh, so why would, might you ask, sort of, are, are, we, are we having this seminar on, uh, on the, the traditional uh, the history of the Norwegian ties to uh, Tanzania and, and Tanzanian history? Well, it is because we, are, we well, I mean, we're currently in the Norwegian castle for Africa as a whole, but, but more importantly, we wanted to use this opportunity of us having a 50 years anniversary to um, create a series of seminars and, and, and uh, discussions uh, to sort of, sort of have um, exchange some thoughts and, and uh, discuss a bit the entire Norwegian solidarity movement and its relation to various parts of, of the African continent and various countries that have been important <coughs> to us. Um, and I say us because I, I, I think it's important here to understand that while we often tend to discuss and talk about the impact that Norwegian actors are having on various parts of the African continent, a part of what we're doing this week is also to understand how our engagement with uh, African actors throughout have formed us and how we uh, as a society are and how we as, as organizations, as movements, as thinkers uh, are today. Um, I think, I mean, the specifics of, of this seminars I will, I will leave, um, uh, I will leave to uh, the moderator and the panel, but but uh, I just want to say uh, welcome, and uh, I'm so glad to see so many people here. A bit more than we uh, originally planned for, so I'm sorry <laughs> for the <laughs> conversation here. Um, but uh, without further ado, I think I'll uh, say welcome to Rune Esperan, and uh, please, producers. Thank you very much. I'm uh, very glad to be here. Many speak of uh, <coughs> John Pombe Magufuli as a new Nirere. Is the circle closed in Tanzania 50 years after the announcement of the Arusha Declaration? This and many related and unrelated questions our three panelists will discuss today. With us today are Alim Jella, Jon Lume, and Tala Hungsnes. I'd like to give them a round of applause first before we start. <laughs> the two hours at our disposal 
will be divided into three parts with a break in between. Um, Ali, he will first look at the traces of Nirere and Ujamaa in today's Tanzania. So a bit of the past in the present <coughs> and the present in the past. Jon will share his perspectives and experiences uh, of the major pathways of conflict and cooperation between Norway and Tanzania over uh, these past 56 years. Uh, and then lastly, Tala will identify some key issues of what is currently at stake and perhaps as the emerging trends in Tanzania. Uh, we as the panel invite you, the audience, to take part in our dialogue and after some introductory rounds of presentations and comments, I will invite you to make, come, make your brief uh, questions and I encourage you to, to only post questions and please let them be brief because we are many and I would like our panel here today to, to shine and share of their <laughs> <laughs> joint experiences and perspectives. So without much further ado, I want to present today's first speaker, Ali Mjella. He's a Tanzanian uh, development economist with nearly 40 years uh, of experience from research, training, consultancies, and working with Scandinavians. So, Karibu Sana. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, Rune. Uh, friends, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. I think it's still good afternoon because I see the sun on the same <laughs> place all the time, yeah. Uh, first, I have to admit that I'm uh, quite overwhelmed by the turnout. Uh, I think uh, this is a testimony to the extent to which uh, Scandinavian people, in particular Norwegians, uh, want to help with uh, humankind problems, uh, economic humankind problems, uh, peace humankind problems. And I think it's a, a triumph of the uh, human spirit. And that triumph of human spirit, I think, is best represented by Norwegians. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, First, I feel greatly honored to take part uh, in this important event marking the 50th anniversary of the Norwegian Council for Africa. And I want to say that on behalf of myself and my wife, who is seated behind there, I want to express gratitude for the efforts and facilitation that have enabled us to be here. Uh, but also, I want to say that uh, and this is unsolicited on behalf of, of all Tanzanians. Uh, we uh, express gratitude and deep appreciation for the support that has been coming from uh, Norway and the rest of Scandinavian countries to support the development effort in Tanzania. Thank you so much. Uh, 
The headline of this seminar is Tanzania from Nyerere to Makufuli. This is a vast area, as you know, uh, which has been covered by a lot of professional literature, uh, not least about development cooperation, and in particular cooperation between Tanzania and Nordic countries. Uh, some of this literature, for instance, this book here, from Nyerere to Kappa. And I therefore make no pretense uh, to coming with a particular groundbreaking contribution uh, this uh, afternoon. Uh, my staff have been uh, employed in several development projects involving uh, Nordic personnel, and therefore I have been asked to, uh, to share some of my experiences. In fact, the grand development challenges are appearing as challenges in daily work between Tanzanians and foreigners. How to get a good and efficient working situation with a common understanding of how to achieve the targets of the different projects. Well, I have uh, worked with Scandinavian in a variety of uh, work situations and have known them to be really providing good examples for Tanzanians to improve their own society. They are quite exemplary. Uh, for example, uh, I've been working in uh, a building research organization supported by NORA. That's where I started my work, actually. And when I worked there, I think uh, they had been the best uh, professional uh, product output in terms of good report writing, technical report writing, and also uh, a lot of net networking. Uh, uh, with a professional organization was promoted uh, to the extent that the, the unit was known uh, all around uh, uh, Dar es Salaam, that's the capital and the country, as you can say. Uh, but also, uh, I worked on, for instance, Danila supported. Uh, program that uh, supported uh, reforms in vocational education and when I was there I think uh, when we worked there I think there was uh, reform on uh, a government provided vocational education system to put in place a privately funded vocational education uh, uh, training system and also some of the best vocational training centers were built uh, in that era. And I know that, uh, for instance, Scandinavians have been involved, Scandinavian companies have been involved in providing, uh, I mean, services in the construction of some of the big infrastructure projects in Tanzania. And, some, and the execution has been excellent. And, uh, for instance, uh, in areas such as energy, up to now, I think Tanzania depends on some of the energy projects that are constructed with uh, Scandinavian support. Uh, but also, Scandinavian modesty, work virtues, and refrain from the pompous life, uh, uh, lifestyle provide exemplary emulative behavior for Tanzanians. Uh, to a great extent, uh, Tanzanians that is, the elitist Tanzanian are the opposite of this, and that's a shame. 
and it doesn't at all augur well uh, towards the goal of promoting an egalitarian society or less selfish society. So I think you provided an excellent example, uh, very good example of emulative. Uh, example. So. Uh, <coughs> and focusing on Norway in particular, Tanzania has a lot to learn because much of what has been achieved today by Norway is a result of good management of the natural resources, particularly oil, fishing, and hydropower. So, Norway, while being a developed country, nevertheless provides a useful case because Tanzania today is facing serious resource management problems. So, I think uh, we can learn quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, to succeed, it appears, a country must be sufficiently equipped in three key areas, which I think are, I call the pillars. Eh? Uh, first, is a defined vision of what type of society is going to be created. Second, is development of permanent institutions that guarantee continuity and basic freedoms. And third, is the development of ethical code of conduct that regulates behavior of the rulers. Some form of a confidence between the rulers and the road. It can't be just left free for all. Because the temptation to grab by the rulers is high. So there must be a code of ethical conduct. And uh, Norway, it appears to me, it has succeeded because it is strong in those three pillars. On the other hand, the history of Tanzania over the past 50 years since independence has been a struggle to strike a balance and make sense of the development and existence of these three pillars. And maybe I will elaborate a little bit on these three areas. And find vision of what type of society is to be created is open. It can be anything. It could be we want to build communism, fine. Uh, but then, okay, define it and then work hard to achieve the broad goals of that. Uh, it could be a free welfare state, fine, and work towards those goals. And then, in development of permanent institutions that guarantee and continuity basic freedoms, uh, uh, this has multiple meanings. Uh, it doesn't only mean a guarantee of freedoms for of, for instance, civil organizations or uh, the tripartite of the three uh, function, uh, three, three parts of government, uh, judiciary, uh, executive, and uh, parliament. No. It's uh, more on that. It means, it actually means that a guarantee for continuity of stated policy goals meaning that uh, 
policy goals that have been uh, uh, arrived at with a consensus have to be given enough time to be implemented. And that, that's one, and I will clarify on that. And secondly, also, there should be no <coughs> people, individual people of influence who can override, overlook uh, such policy or legal uh, frameworks that have been established, uh, a lot of which have been established uh, through consensus. Uh, that's important because all this explains some of the fundamental problems that Tanzania and to a certain extent the rest of Africa is facing. The importance of personality to override over uh, laws, regulations, policies. And I can give an example. Uh, for instance, uh, President Nyerere, of course, is, uh, is, is the first post-colonial president to uh, introduce the Arusha de Declaration as the guiding philosophy of transforming Tanzania to socio-economic success. That was fine. That's uh, uh, pillar number one. Uh, but then, Five? Five minutes left. Fifteen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, um, yeah, yeah. but, but for instance, uh, implementation. Uh, there are some. There have been some problems of the implementation because uh, the declaration itself, the implementation was inspired by him as a person, and then the actual. Implementation in the field was left to uh, people like uh, regional commissioners and district committee commissioners who implemented according to their own discretions. Okay, so there hadn't been uh, completed detailed breakdowns of how the implementation is going uh, to take place, and that created a problem implementation because there was so much. Uh, uh, so, so much conflicting uh, directives towards, for instance, the peasantry, in particular, some of the directives uh, 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 discouraged production, demotivated deployment, and so, which led to a production crisis. But uh, also, even before the introduction of the Arusha Declaration, Tanzania had experimented first between 1963 and 1967 had experimented, for instance, with different policy initiatives. There was support for progressive farmers, and then there was a promotion of settlement schemes, which was modeled on the uh, kibbutz movements of Israel. And all were not given enough time, sufficient time, to implement. And then there was the Ujama, and then we find the problems with the implementation. So, uh, if we compare this, for instance, with Kenya, uh, uh, there was what was called the Swinaton Plan that was introduced in 1955 uh, by the colonial government in response to the Mau Mau Wars, and it uh, promoted a land, a land consolidation framework by 
African farmers that up to this time is being implemented as a contrast. And therefore, you see the relative success of uh, uh, Kenyan uh, agricultural sector compared to Tanzania. Now I have to rush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Skip a couple of presidents. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but then we notice that the weaknesses in these uh, three pillars had, uh, as accounted for challenges that has costed the country immensely in terms of national resources loss, economic growth, job creation, and also good governance. Uh, for instance, Tanzania, uh, after abandoning the Arusha de Declaration, had opened up to, world, to the world without effective or <coughs> required planning to protect its home industries, as an example. And the abandonment of the uh, leadership code had been interpreted to provide authorization to civil servants to acquire wealth regardless of the means. Yeah, And for people who are not oriented to business practice, it meant creating opportunities at the workplace to make money. So those are some of the problems. And Tanzania also had failed to negotiate good terms for the privatization of its industry assets and could not negotiate good mining contracts uh, that benefited the country. And the therefore, resultantly, the informal approach to law enforcement had promoted trading and other deal-making activities against investment. And this was to, uh, it was interpreted that making investment while stricting, strictly following the law was a hassle. We don't have here. Well, uh, some of the examples I'll give later uh, on, the, on the reforms. And therefore, this has led to the following uh, ominous trends within the country. Unemployment for youth, particularly living schools, including university uh, graduates, is very high, I think. Uh, informally, I think un unemployment can go as high as 80% for young university graduates, or maybe more. Yeah, and... Uh, and uh, there are record level rural urban migration and these uh, young people yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> they, these young people coming to the urban have nothing to do have nothing to do and potentially are ready to act on anything with the slightest incitement and that's uh, very unfortunate so it's ominous but there are opening opportunities uh, where Scandinavian experience can be put to use. The current government of President Magufuli has shown determination that not only helps strengthen the three pillars, but also promote public and private collaboration. Uh, he has uh, unleashed a crackdown on corruption, enforcement of work discipline, and the observance of ethics in civil service. Uh, he wants to promote industrialization, which can be implemented through the PPP, public-private partnership, and also has uh, declared the intention to, to develop port development that can serve the hinterland 
uh, this uh, low-hanging fruit because if they are completed, uh, Tanzania can serve uh, the hinterland of Africa and uh, gain uh, boost its income. And the government is renegotiating mining contracts right now. Uh, the Norway experience on management of natural resources can provide very useful case for Tanzania. And also, the government has declared a clear intention <coughs> to, pro to collaborate with the government, uh, with the private sector, on the Tanzanian National Business Council, with a dialogue forum in order to uh, ease uh, the, uh, uh, the, the cost of doing business. Uh, but also, uh, this is the last one, sorry, <laughs> Scandinavian country can use their characteristic polite demeanor to help government protect civic freedoms and the independence of the three branches of government in the country. That's very important. There's encroachment on and breaches on uh, freedoms of speech, etc. But that's for others to do. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that uh, introduction. Now I will invite uh, Jon Domey to uh, comment, to give a few comments uh, on this presentation. Thank you. First of all, I think there was too much praise. Too much praise for the Norwegians. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Should probably add a bit of criticism too. Yeah. We may deserve that as well. Uh, Maybe I, I, I think I will just, apart, apart from that, add two things. One is, uh, uh, one of our former prime ministers, uh, Korval, he said, uh, used the expression that uh, Norway is a small country in the world. And I think, what I, think what, what I would perhaps like to add to your long history is the, 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 the international dimension also that Tanzania as a small, no a medium-sized country in the world and how it has maneuvered and had to maneuver in shifting international contexts where uh, in the 60s and early 70s uh, what Tanzania did as a sort of a more state-centered development model was in fashion globally so it was it was easy to mobilize international support to it then it fell out of fashion and it became much more difficult or impossible for Tanzania to to galvanize international support for that development model and that of course was part of the reason for the for for the shift uh, of uh, of policies in Tanzania no of course uh, again the the world is uh, changing uh, also and the room to maneuver for Tanzania is increasing as uh, the east is uh, ascending and the west is uh, declining in rel in relative uh, importance so the the room for policy choice also for Tanzania is so i think that's that, that's an added dimension to uh, to good leadership and of course Nyerere Mwalimu was a very good mm, he was very uh, good at maneuvering uh, uh, both in uh, in in the uh, in the early 60s, in the late 60s, and then uh, in the end in the 80s. Uh, so I think that's uh, that's one uh, one important addition. And then 
on Magafuli, uh, I don't know. The honest answer is, I think, uh, I, I, uh, we all favor anti-corruption. Uh, many of us would echo the, his anti-exploitation agenda, sort of uh, looking at uh, how can Tanzania strike a better deal with uh, with international investors. Of course, there's some some careful balancing to be to be done. That uh, then clearly there's also a a very strong moralist stand to uh, to Magafuli, which uh, of course some of us have more difficult we difficulties with. Uh, we we may applaud when he <coughs> orders bar to close at eleven o'clock in the evening. Uh, we get much more difficulties when he decrees that uh, girls who become pregnant are not allowed to come back to school afterwards. Mm -hmm. So, so there is a sort of and and uh, there is a sort of moral uh, dimension to his politics that is uh, that's uh, challenging. And then clearly there is an authoritarian strain to his way of uh, of governing that. Uh, also is trouble. And then to me there is an underlying question uh, that I mean Norway is a small country, uh, Tanzania is <coughs> a big country and I, I see that I have, I have big questions about the, the personal leadership style which I mean you, you, can, you can improve one hospital through presidential visits but you cannot improve the Tanzanian health system through presidential visits. So whether or not there is a sort of focus on, on the systems that you need to build in order to uh, prevent uh, things from decaying again, uh, that's uh, a big question mark that I have. Thank you. Well, you will, you will be allowed to respond, but first I want to invite uh, Tala to to comment on uh, on both uh, Ali and uh, Jun's presentations, and then you then Ali can say a few words, and then I'll open up for you to come with your questions. Ali, thank you. Um, uh, I think uh, thank you very much for a good uh, presentation, Ali. Uh, I think your three. Uh, what did you call it? Advices, yeah. pillars are very wise, and and I also find it difficult to to see the clear vision of Magafuli. I, I mean, he has all this very good and nice talk about uh, which we all support. I mean, the anti-corruption agenda is very much needed, and also, of course, uh, the anti-exploitation agenda is very much needed. But apart from that, what is it that you want to? to do how will he how will he um, make sure that uh, the growth is benefiting everybody uh, i cannot see it uh, so far institutionalized and uh, so um, yeah we'll come more back back to it later uh, so maybe ali can take over and the floor can also contribute mm. Mm -hmm. okay yeah Yes. That's a few brief remarks. <laughs> <laughs> a few brief remarks. 
Yeah, um, Professor Remax by Lomoy here, but uh, Tanzania has been changing uh, according to what friends and Governance of Nyerere to Manova. Yes, I agree entirely. Uh, he was uh, quite smart at that, and uh, he was uh, good uh, uh, to study trends, world situations, and act uh, to his own advantage, or maybe to Tanzanian advantage, and that that helped. I mean, it helped the Tanzanian people. Yeah. Mm. Magufuli, yes, I think they are sort of false about uh, the moralistic dimension. Uh, his, uh, his stand on girl students that are impregnated and his use of a personality as a as a, uh, an agent of change to make changes to make improvement, uh, I agree. All these are <coughs> sort of false artifacts, um, but also correctly uh, stated by Tale that uh, the vision is uh, quite lacking. Uh, but uh, what I can say is that he has just started. Um, he, he just uh, uh, celebrated the second anniversary last year. But we hope, and uh, all of us just we, we cannot we cannot guarantee. We just hope that okay, uh, his these uh, early actions come up uh, precipitated by the heat of the battle because uh, uh, there was to a certain extent a big mess uh, which he inherited to a certain extent. So we hope that he will uh, grow, uh, gradually change, in particular that who listen to advice. I think, uh, because his uh, background is engineer. I don't think that uh, he understands well all the all that, yeah. So we only hope that he will uh, soon and not later to change and listen to advice and he will have a collective approach to doing things rather than his single-headed uh, strength of his, his personality. Thank you. Thank you to all of you. Now, <coughs> I would like the audience to make a few uh, questions. Do you all hear us at the back? So, but please say if we should speak louder. Should we speak louder? You louder, yes, thank you. Okay. Um, I think there was uh, you at the back here first. <laughs> I think that we all know a bit about the past in Tanzania and that we are a bit both uh, proud and uh, maybe uh, critical to what Norway has done so far. Uh, it is quite obvious that what has happened in, in uh, Tanzania over the past year is very contrary to a lot of the values that Norway stands for in our foreign policy and in our policy in general. And I'm wondering if it's possible for... Uh, for uh, Norad director to uh, come with some comment on what would this mean for Norwegian
cooperation with Tanzania. This, uh, I would say these quite uh, dramatic changes that we have seen over the past two, two years, which puts uh, Tanzania in a league which we don't want Tanzania to be, but where it in reality is at the moment. And uh, uh, particularly uh, its current role as a focus line, and in a few months hopefully a uh, summer baseline, or maybe not. And um, what that would mean, uh, uh, um, as much as you can say on that. Thank you. Thank you. You want to take it directly? Yes. You won't, won't give me time to reflect on them. Would any of you like to comment before Lume gets the chance to catch his breath? No, I, I think there is a, there is a deeper there is a deeper question in your question, and that that is how do we as donors relate in the twenty first century to uh, sort of unpleasant policy development in uh, in countries that we cooperate with. Uh, in an area where the relative importance of aid has declined dramatically, so that uh, aid as a leverage uh, for lever for policy for policy change is dramatically reduced from to from what it what it what it used to be, and what's uh, so I, I, I and uh, and there is a. I think the, the jury is still out on Magafuli. I think that's uh, and there are there are some there are some trends that many would consider to be possible to be positive, and then there is a series of trends that many of us would consider to be to be highly troubling. Uh, if that continues to be the root over time, then of course that will have uh, consequences for the way we think about, talk about, talk about, and work with uh, work with uh, with Tanzania. But but I also think that in long term relationships, we we cannot jump in and out. We cannot jump in and out of uh, countries uh, every every sec every second year. I don't think that's uh, that's the that's the way to work. So I think we. And of course, our government-to-government -government cooperation with Tanzania has already declined quite substantively. Uh, so uh, it's now at a at a nominal level that is lower than in the mid '80s, which of, key, of course means that it is uh, substantially reduced uh, from that. Uh, so so uh, we we're observing we're discussing with Tanzania there is not uh, there's not a great case being made for increases certainly uh, but I also think we uh, we need to have a bit of patience before we jump to easy conclusions about uh, about uh, opt opting out of uh, of long-term relationships and I'd just like to remind the audience that you also have a chance to touch on the issue of Norwegian-Tanzanian bilateral relations 
after Jun's uh, talk. So I'll open up for another question. I saw you had a question. I'll see you next. You next, yeah. Please. Um, thank you. Do you all hear me in the back? The louder the better, please. <laughs> okay. Um, my name is Thiel. I'm the board chairperson of, of Norwegian Council for Africa. Um, there's been um, talk on, on his, his vision or a lack of vision and also um, the perhaps more authoritarian style. So I wonder, is his vision a sort of Asian style um, uh, development state or perhaps a Ethiopian Rwandan inspired um, development state? Um, there, there's been economic growth, but there's also a sign of a more sort of strongman approach, is, is my impression. Um, you've touched on pregnant girls in school, but there's also um, um, uh, arresting of journalists that, that we have heard more of, um, uh, arresting of, of, of people from the LGBT community, and, and, and even more examples. Um, uh, you know, coupled with sort of economic growth and industrialization. So, um, um, is that sort of the, the vision inspired maybe also from the um, countries in, in the region? And if so, um, will that have an, um, would that perhaps mean that we need to sort of from the Norwegian side also perhaps uh, give more support uh, to the civil society um, in, in Tanzania? Ali, do you want to answer this question? Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think uh, it's quite right. I think uh, uh, the current government under the President Magufuli, I think, is inspired by uh, regional neighbors, uh, Ethiopia, one of them, but uh, also I think uh, Rwanda mm -hmm. and uh, Sakagame. I think there's a lot of similarity in, in style of uh, governance. And Omar um, has just uh, said about the limits of using aid. And, and I think he's aware of that because one of the things he's doing is actually to minimize uh, support from uh, foreign countries. So he's really uh, trying hard to tax economy and to be independent. He doesn't uh, make a clear approach of this approach to, uh, to foreign government to, to seek support. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I think uh, what you say is, is correct. I mean, inviting I would also like to uh, comment on this because Chama Chama Pinduze is one of my key interests. I think that we should also look at his rise to power. I mean, he didn't rise to power by himself. He was advanced by, by CCM. And then we can ask ourselves, why? Why was he, why was this person as a relatively low-ranking minister who had very little foundation in the party. Why did he become the presidential candidate and not Edward Luwasa? Now, I think that has to do with what came after Nirer, this the, the Ruxa of, of Muini and particularly the, 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 on all these issues that followed later and latest with the presidents of Kikweta. And at least from my own research, I so very much the disillusionment in CCM, not just among Tanzanians, but also in CCM with the top leadership. So I think for many in CCM itself, they needed some, someone to believe in, again, in the party. And um, 
And I think that uh, this was an outcome <laughs> in, of the party hierarchy to, to have someone who ha would have more of a Nirere profile to, to rise the, 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 the status of CCM again. So CCM would again shine as the, the party of the people. But what I, I think the party elite in CCM had not thought that he would be so effective <laughs> in, in, in going after them. So we'll, we'll see how effective is. How effective is depends also on who on the alliances he is able to build, not to just with the electorate, but also with the NCCM. So I think, I think that's very interesting. Uh, we have a question from that. Yes? My name is Bridget Sperry, and uh, this question goes to Anna. You talked a lot about Norway helping Tanzania. I'm a Ghanaian, by the way, but I've lived in Tanzania before. You talked about Norway helping Tanzania a lot. It's been decades. Uh, I've, I had the opportunity to revisit Tanzania last year and uh, to the projects where we have worked, we worked with Nora. And I got to know that we have a problem as Africans with maintenance. We don't maintain or we don't continue the advice or the gift or the, what we learn from these countries. So at the end of the day, when they go back, everything becomes ruined again. We, I visited some of the projects that we built while we were in Tanzania, and it's, it's sad. Nobody's taking over it, nobody's looking at, the, at, at it. And with such attitude, we can never build a country. So I think we should be focusing on maintaining and growing it instead of just relaxing and hoping for more foreign aid. It won't help. Beastan will never help until we are able to be on our own. So I think we should be focusing on that more. Yes, I think you can be more right. That's, that's, that's true. Uh, there have been some unfortunate developments, yes. Uh, maintenance is one. Uh, but uh, to some degree, for instance, in some of the process, okay, there have been some uh, uh, maintenance, some maintenance, but uh, I mean, at, uh, to the Tanzanian level, not not the expatriate level. But uh, what the unfortunate trends that happened, in particular with the power projects, is that this explosion uh, of population, population, and uh, settling in areas which which were for the, for the water catchment, and practicing farmer, farming uh, that is degrading the environment. And then you had, uh, you had uh, silting, and then therefore affecting the op operation of the, of the uh, plants. So that had been a, a problem. But I agree with your assessment fully. Yeah, it's true. It's a problem of maintenance. Mm. Thank you. Well, we have two more sessions and one more, one about a bit more than an hour. We started 15 minutes late, so I suggest we have a five-minute break. So now it's uh, it's five to four. My watch is five to four. So we have a five-minute break, and then we'll continue with Jon uh, Lomas' presentation after the break. Five minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Much introduction, Jon Lomay. Seasoned uh, diplomat and development bureaucrat with a uh, heart deeply buried in Tanzania, currently an ULA director. I uh, leave the floor to you. Thank you. <laughs>
Oops. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I won't stand on the chair. I just wanted to do that. I need to, to combine having a chance to look at some notes. And, uh, thanks for the invitation. And uh, I was expecting to see a small crowd of people, grey-haired people here. <laughs> so, so I'm... Uh, I'm uh, uh, of course, I'm happy to see some uh, old friends from Tanzania, from Tanzania with uh, hair as grey as mine, but, but uh, even more happy to see a lot of young people here. Uh, we've been invited to do something very difficult, which is to reflect on long-term trends and long-term relationships. Uh, and that, that is challenging. So I, One of the things uh, I did uh, before was to... One of the things one should do is to have a look at the world map uh, and see where, it, where in the world is Tanzania located. And, and then you will see that Tanzania is much closer to Asia than to Europe. And that's important, I think, to have in mind as we uh, reflect on where Tanzania is and, and where it is heading. We've been a long-term partner with Tanzania since uh, more or less since its independence or not uh, uh, not long not long after we if, if we if we look at Africa and Norway's relationship to Africa there's the missionary Africa the aid Africa and the business Africa business Africa basically is West uh, Mission Africa is uh, sort of scattered a bit around, and then there's Aid Africa in uh, southern and sort of parts of uh, of eastern. Of course, Tanzania is a little bit uh, there's sort of not business Africa traditionally, though there was a also timbers. There was there was a very courageous Norwegian businessman who established a timber export from Zanzibar uh, in the late 19th century. Uh, uh, there's a little bit of mission history, uh, in particularly in the north, and then of course uh, the 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 deep relationship with uh, between Norway and Tanzania has been a uh, a development cooperation and aid relationship, and then uh, there is a big question now of whether or not. Uh, there will be the big transformation of that relationship into a much more business-based relationship, which, of course, could happen if, uh, if uh, one of the biggest uh, foreign investments by any Norwegian company takes place in Tanzania, as, as is a possibility. Uh, but it's also a possibility that it could not happen because uh, things, are, things are changing. But uh, what, uh, So we've invested a lot in Tanzania. Uh, long-term investment and if we look at those long-term investments uh, what are what can we see of successes and failures and lessons uh, from the long-term development investment in Tanzania and we can see a and I will be I will be slightly uh, more critical than <laughs> self-critical than uh, than our Tanzanian friend was uh, I think we see a great success which we often overlook on competence, on training, on competence. Sort of the number of Tanzanians that have been trained in Norway, in Tanzania, with Norwegian funding, sometimes with Norwegian teachers, but, but sort of that 
the big initial and long-term investment in competence building may well be one of the most important lasting uh, uh, results that we that we have uh, produced. Uh, then there's a number of this we've we've been involved in some fairly successful institution building projects. I think uh, I, I, I my favorite story is I came to the Faculty of Forestry at uh, in Morogoro in uh, the late 70s and met uh, Dean Gustav Klem and uh, some of the other uh, teachers uh, teaching forestry and I came back uh, to the Sokoini University of Agriculture 20 years later and and met uh, a Tanzanian uh, vice chancellor, a Tanzanian dean, Tanzanian professors, and and a few Norwegian researchers back in the corner who were there because it was interesting to uh, be in Tanzania and do field work uh, and bring students there. So, and and the, the I think uh, our support to build TPDC, the Tanzania Petroleum, uh, uh, sort of some so there are some some quite successful institution building uh, institution building efforts that we have been involved in our energy investments have largely been successful i mean uh, the hydropower plants are still uh, are still working and producing uh, and producing uh, electricity uh, and then we've had some questionable investments and some outright failures uh, And, and and then we've had the big waves. We had the initial. Uh, you can list the failures if you want to, but I would, uh, sort of the yeah, he gave me so little time for, for the long <laughs> reflection for the long reflection on history. Uh, 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 by, by the way, uh, it's not obvious that Mgani is Mbagani is on the list of failures. That's that's. Uh, I think the jury is still out on Mbagani. Actually, it could well be that that's a success story, not a, not a failure. But there are there are quite a number of other failures. But the, but the long term trends we've we've had the we had the initial deep love affair with Malimo, and I think many of us uh, of my generation shared had that sort of deep love affair. Everything that he said was sort of almost too good to be true. Sort of a real socialist African, based on true African values, rooted in African society. I mean, how much better could it be for young radical uh, Scandinavians uh, in the in the late sixties and early seventies? It was sort of it was a dream, and of course, it, it wasn't uh, a reality because the reality was uh, much harder and much tougher as it would have been for any for any leader trying to to put uh, those dreams into reality and then of course uh, the way he did it uh, clearly if if a leader in Tanzania had did part of what Molimo did sort of uh, forcefully moving people burning down their houses during the villagization process for example we would probably have withdrawn our aid uh, we didn't in those days, and maybe that was uh, that's good. Then, then the love of, of affair cooled, and when Björg and me came to Tanzania in the mid 80s, it was ice cold. <laughs> Be because we, I mean, we had uh, the the economic policies that Tanzania was uh, trying to implement didn't work, obviously, uh, partly for domestic reasons, partly because the world had changed. And Reagan and Thatcher was in power in the world, and that changed the rule of the game. And of course, countries need to live in the real world and, and adjust to to the. 
and then we had Winnie. Uh, um, we we didn't. We never knew. Quite. It wasn't sort of neither love nor hate. I think Mkapa was initial love and then a bit of skepticism. Uh, he, he created the same initial uh, love and then Mkapa, there was, de- was initial love. Uh, but uh, it's, it's been cooling quicker with Mkapa, part of it with Mkapa uh, than uh, with, the, uh, with the earlier leaders, uh, partly because of his, I think, because of his authoritarian leadership style and what we w- one can see as a as a lack of uh, as a lack of uh, willingness to accept criticism uh, where are we heading in the relationship between norway and uh, and Tenzin? clearly uh, in in 20 Seven or no, 28 or 29, when I was ambassador to Tanzania, I wrote a proposal to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs about a what we, we should have a, a sort of 10-year transition period of foreign relationship to Tanzania and, and sort of slowly phase out of the aid era and, and sort of move into a different move into a different era. It's rough. It was never approved or decided, but but that's roughly what's happened. Uh, so. Uh, that uh, our our aid to Tanzania is now fifty percent lower than it was uh, eight years eight years ago. And that's probably correct, uh, uh, and and the, its uh, content has uh, has also changed. Um, and in parallel, one has l- there is the potential that Tanzania could be the second most important country for Norway uh, economically, in Africa economically, after Angola. Uh, that could happen uh, if uh, there is an agreement between Statoil and the other investors in the big offshore gas field to uh, to invest and build those. Uh, because of uh, Tanzania made a lot of mistakes uh, a decade ago in uh, when entering into far too generous agreements with international investors there's there's a lot of hesitations on the Tanzanian side now uh, when considering uh, how how to relate to for to uh, international investors on big inf- on big uh, natural resource based uh, investments like this uh, that one can understand, uh, but then the, wor- the, the the challenge, of course, is that the world is happening. So uh, Mozambique is slightly less hesitant. So therefore, uh, international investors are now moving rapidly forward with their investments in in uh, com- slight, partly competing investments in uh, in uh, gas exploitation in in Mozambique. And of course, this is this is back to what I was also the. To, to strike the balance between the internal forces and the external environment, and where Nyerere was a master in the long run. Uh, sometimes he took a, he also took a bit of time, but the way he engineered both the transition to socialism uh, opened up for the transition back to a market-based economy by resigning in by uh, resigning as president in '85, and then designing the transformation <laughs> from one party to multi-party system thereby 
re retaining CCM as the most successful political machine, sort of long-term successful political machinery on the African on the African continent. So, and and Magafuli, of course, if he is to succeed, he has got to have to also have that capacity to both look at the internal required domestic requirements and the international requirement because to succeed in the world you need to do both you need to, to both be able to uh, to solve to work 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 with your people create a basis have the vision create the institutions and you need to relate to the outside world in a way which uh, uh, with all its uh, strength and um, and uh, and challenges and the jury i think is out both uh, on also on uh, on that i think we we will of course continue to work with tanzania uh, whether or not that big transformation will happen <coughs> we'll see thank you Well, we are going to have a little uh, radical change here on the program. So we're moving straight from your presentation to Tala's presentation. Uh, Tala is... Um, <coughs> can see where I put on that. Yeah. Well, she's the former country director of Norwegian Church Aid in Tanzania. Uh, she's an activist and commentator. And currently she's working with Amnesty International Norway. Tala, the... Yes, I have been given the, uh, the task to look ahead a little bit at the current situation, what are the trends, and also look ahead. Uh, and I think it's very natural, as also the previous speakers have indicated, to look towards the futures with the, with the glasses of an and with the glasses of thinking Tanzania beyond the age of eight. Uh, and in the light of that recognition, I would briefly like to reflect on some, some areas on, and some possible trends. Uh, the financial economic area, I would think it's fair to say that the main, train, main trend is growth with inequality. Uh, there is stable economic growth and has been so for many years, uh, but with, with inequality, not the, and far from the worst in the region, but still uh, the lowest or the poorest 20% uh, of, um, of the population um, holds approximately 10% only, no sorry, no, I'm confused by my own numbers. So yeah, the 20% holds the approximately 10, the 20% poorest holds 10% of the income share, whereas the richest 20% hold 45% of the uh, income share. So, uh, and, and the figures are, are I mean, um, swifting away from each other. So it's not a good trend. And then of course we are all aware of the widespread corruption and capital flight. Uh, and uh, during um, my stay in Tanzania, Norwegian Church Aid uh, Partners in Tanzania uh, in May uh, published a report called One Billion Dollar Question Revisited, uh, documenting uh, the loss that Tanzania has uh, 
in terms of uh, income, in terms of revenue uh, and income. So uh, the report estimates that Tanzania is now losing 1.8 billion US dollars per year from tax uh, incentives, uh, illicit uh, capital flight and the failure also to tax the informal sector and other forms of tax evasion. And in addition to those 1.8 tax-related uh, losses, uh, the country may also, says the report, uh, losing, uh, may be losing a further 1.3 billion um, dollars per year to corruption. So that re that's approximately, or in the report, it's estimated to be approximately 20% of the national budget. Of course, these are many numbers, big figures, but the main picture is still that if the loss of 1.8 billion in tax were instead collected and invested in welfare systems, uh, Tanzania would be able to triple its, uh, I mean, triple the government's entire health spending, or nearly double the government's education spending, or increase uh, by increase 10 times, more than 10 times the amount spent by the government on social protection. These findings from the report has inspired the religious leaders of Tanzania to um, continue to work not only as before on, on uh, working on, on uh, how to stop the, the tax evasion, uh, and the capital uh, flight, but also looking into how can the income, how can the revenue better be invested uh, for the benefit of the people and in order then to address the rising levels of inequality. Um, and the religious leaders of Tanzania see this investment then in social protection or social welfare system not as a, an expense, but it is an investment, of course, in also inclusive growth, which can lift uh, the majority of, of Tanzanians. Um, yeah, that was the first area. The second area, pol which is politically, um, and I find the political, I mean, I moved to Tanzania in January 2015. From then and up to now, the situation is not good. It's very boring, actually. And uh, I would actually say that the respect of rule of law, of basic human rights, both political and civil rights, but also, uh, as mentioned when it comes to the pregnant girls, also the social and, uh, and economic and cultural rights are, are under threat. And increasingly so, especially when it comes to the political and, and civil rights. And with severe signs, of a new authoritarian approach to development. Um, I can briefly mention some examples, uh, which is, or which are the Cybercrime Act from May 2015, even before the election, uh, which has narrowed the online space for political and partisan mobilization. Secondly, media freedom has suffered from a new wave of arbitrary, arbitrary suspensions of newspapers. For example, the regional newspaper 
East Africa. Um, there, is also, uh, there was also a new Media Services Act uh, approved in the Parliament in November 2016, which has created two new bodies, uh, public bodies, to control the establishment of new media uh, and also to make the uh, accreditations of, of journalists. Um, then, and maybe most severely, there is this indefinite ban on public meetings. A clear restriction on the right to as assembly. It's likely, or it's at least it's said, that this ban of, holding, of holding, um, holding um, uh, public meetings uh, will be lifted uh, two months before the next uh, president elections, election in 2020. You have no guarantees, of course, but definitely this is a very big, um, a very big uh, obstacle uh, for the opposition and for uh, civil society to organize and to, to, uh, to control what the government is, uh, is doing. Uh, fourthly, uh, and lastly, um, there is also an increasing tendency to uh, single out individual critics. There was uh, the rapper Eli Bakiri, a musician, a rapper. Uh, he was arrested for a satirical song and kept uh, for, for some time. Many examples like that. Of course, this, uh, as probably many of you know, the, one of the most prominent opposition politicians, uh, member of parliament, Mr. Tundulisu, was attacked and uh, he was uh, luckily not killed, but he was shot with many bullets uh, in late July or August. Uh, and this political attack uh, represents something new in, in the mod, at least the modern history of Tanzania. Uh, and I find it very worrying. Uh, and uh, from Norwegian Church Aid, I mean, we worked with religious leaders, religious organizations. They are probably among the best protected uh, civil society. Uh, uh, movements in Tanzania because of their high, their high standing. But still, when I have talked with bishops, with shares, uh, they also tend now to restrict themselves more than before. They don't speak out freely as before because they are afraid. So it's an increasing, to me it seems like there is an increasing self-censorship. Um, I would like briefly. Uh, home briefly, one more minute. Now, okay. Then I don't uh, go to the two other trends. Uh, I would just. Uh, <laughs> I can just skip them. Uh, I just. Uh, well. Yeah, I was. I, w I had planned to talk a little bit about the youth bulge, uh, with the with the in with the um, very big and <laughs> uh, population growth. Which is some also something about uh, something which Tanzania has to deal with when planning its future, and I also had a plan to talk a little bit about the environmental uh, institution and biodiversity and elephants because that that illustrates very well that strong institutions are also needed. So, wh who is Norway in this picture? 
Nor Norwegian relation to Tanzania beyond aid, as Lomai very well illustrated, will be more based on private sector cooperation. But I would also add, I mean, the diplomatic relations are still there. Um, and I would support very much that Norwegian companies can, can play a very crucial role for the development of the country, especially if Statoil makes this decision to, make, uh, to invest, and if a proper tax regime for the oil and gas sector is, is established and uh, implemented. But of course, whilst aid, the aid world has a very clear value agenda, the private sector tries to portray itself as more neutral, as a more neutral actor. Of course, that is in one way bullshit, because nothing is more political than, than where you put your money uh, and uh, who owns what. But, uh, but still, uh, that's, that's the way it's kind of it's portrayed. But I think, I think it's also time, in light of especially the political uh, development of Tanzania, to challenge Norway and like-minded countries with a long history of close cooperation with Tanzania. In diplomatic channels, when we know move beyond the age of aid, not only to pro <laughs> promote Norwegian business interests, but be very clear in the diplomatic dialogue. Human rights and rule of law cannot be compromised. One strong man cannot build a country. One strong man can, cannot take Tanzania from where it is to where it, we want it to be. Uh, and in the base of building good institutions, clear visions, <laughs> um, we need to have and keep a holistic understanding of human rights. They need to go together, the social and economic and cultural as well as the political. The one, uh, both, I mean, they are all integrated and they are reinforcing each other. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we are remaining with about half an hour. I'd like to give the panel the chance to comment on each other for a few minutes first. And then I'll open up the floor and we'll have a more general discussion. Would you like to say a few words on each other? Ali, first, please. Yeah, if you like, right. please stand <coughs> up. If you yeah. stand up so they can hear you at the back. I think uh, in, uh, I'm in uh, broad agreement uh, by uh, both presentations uh, made by uh, Mr. Lamont here. It helps us. Uh, have a vision of the future, the type of uh, the flow of uh, Norwegian aid, and it's quite clear. That, okay, uh, the door is not uh, is not closed. Uh, it depends on the uh, actions of the current government, and that there are good prospects, particularly in the economic fields and the uh, more uh, traditional. Uh, cooperation in particular in training in training and uh, in oil exploration I think those will continue so I think uh, that's fine and I think uh, it's quite commendable the, it's very well and it should be it should be the approach I think I, I'm in agreement with that and 
Darwin's uh, presentation also, I think, is quite uh, elaborate. I think um, probably the new leadership is novice, is, is still is not very well versed in the art of governance. Uh, I think uh, it's important that uh, because, because up to now, uh, in Tanzania, there hasn't been any uh, prominent presence of, uh, of uh, uh, international organizations or the donor community that give pressure to the government. It's been rare. If it had been there, I think it had been uh, taking place behind the doors for the general public. But I think it's welcome now, I mean, because uh, it's a it's a, uh, it's a civil approach to uh, to uh, to moderate uh, overly harsh governments. I think it's uh, it's welcome that the international government, the donor community, but the other organisations such as uh, which Tala is working in can express their voice. I think she has gone uh, through the list of. Uh, civil uh, right breaches and they're all accurate and I agree and I think the situation cannot continue that way. Yeah. Thank you. Well, uh, you will have more chance to talk uh, with each other but I think there are, there are people in the audience who are keen to talk as I saw you first and then you second and then, well, you have spoken already so you with the glasses number three. So you first, <laughs> then you second and then you third. Thank you. My name is Björk Ofstad. I worked in Tanzania some 30 years ago. Um, I have a question to what you said about uh, the race in, in uh, population growth. Does uh, that the population is growing so fast as you now have told us, does that mean that the position of women in society has decreased uh, the last years? And is this so that uh, this is not an issue? in Tanzania anymore. Tanzania used to have strong women ministers and also uh, strong women in the civil society. And uh, at least they also used to raise their voices on questions like the right to heritage and things like that. And also on family planning issues as they uh, used to call uh, prevention and abortion. Thank you. Would you like to address that? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, thank you for a very good uh, question. And uh, I, I'm not, unfortunately not in a position to, to say something about the development because I'm, I'm not fully aware of how it was before. But I, I, um, uh, I think we can state that the women's uh, movement in Tanzania could very well have been stronger and that there is a long way to go when it comes to ensuring proper family planning, uh, proper reproductive health, abortion is still uh, illegal uh, and it's not, uh, it's not commonly uh, accepted to talk about contraceptives and, and so forth. So, so it's, uh, there is still a way to go. and. Uh, now I'm not with the Norwegian church yet anymore, but I, I have encouraged my successor in Norwegian church aid to use, make use of the contacts in, towards the religious leaders of the country 
in order to, to make them actually uh, work more in this area. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, anyone with us? Would you want to add? Yeah, I think uh, if you look at the, the big picture and the statistics, of course, population growth is rough, hasn't. Uh, has not in certainly has not increased. It was a bit more than three percent uh, when we were in Tanzania, Björg. Uh, I think it is around. It's around three uh, percent still. So fertility rates are roughly the same as uh, as they. So they have not. They have certainly not increased. Uh, I, I guess one question is whether part of the moral part of, uh, of Magafuli's agenda, how that will influence the discussion about sexual and reproductive health and rights. And that's, I think that is still an open question. And of course, he, he would find some interesting allies internationally where he to pursue that, uh, where he pursue that agenda. I'd like to comment that as well. I think some of the strongest, actually, civil society organizations are the, the women, more women leaning, like, uh, Tanzania Women's Media Association and Femina, for instance, I think they are some of the the most outspoken uh, organizations and the ones that the government traditionally has cracked down upon, even in the in the era of um, the former presidents. So, and if you can, if you can, if we consider the government crackdown on NGOs, then I certainly think that the women NGOs have been the ones who have been cracked down on the most during the last few decades. So I think that also says something about the role on really being the, on the forefront of some of these contentious issues when it comes to reproductive health and criticizing the, the government. So I think there is, I think they're still going to do it. And I think it's, uh, uh, <laughs> Asha Magira Rose, for instance, could have become the, 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 the Tanzanian president. Uh, and uh, many, of course, uh, well, there are big debates why she didn't get that position. But Tanzania could have had a, had a Tanzanian Good. I think we'll uh, go for the second question. Yeah, I'm Odd Evian. Uh, question giving you a chance to expand on the youth issue. We know now at present 800,000 youth coming into the job market every year. Average age 17, 17 and a half years. Rising population to 150, 160 million within 2050. Economic growth with inequality education system being pressured? The scenario, please expand. <laughs> <laughs> well, hi historically, of course, there are two solutions to that. And, and of course, let's remember that that is a scenario that we've all been through. All rich countries today have been through that scenario for a period. We went through it in the second half of the 19th century. Sort of, I mean, that, that the period of transformation where, where uh, fertility rights, where, where mortality rights, uh, rates, particularly infant mortality rates, decline rapidly, uh, while fertility rates decline much more slowly. And you, you get a rapid period of, of population growth. That's sort of been part of all historical uh, transformation processes with a little bit of exception for the Chinese because of the particular uh, policies that they adopted for, for a period. But, uh, and there are only two known answers to it. It's economic growth and migration. Well, those are sort of economic. And of course, if Tanzania is going to, or when Tanzania has got to deal with this, uh, realistically, the migration option is limited because 
where our neighboring countries cannot absorb a lot of uh, a lot of people and uh, Europe is not uh, likely to absorb uh, too many millions of, uh, of labor-seeking Tanzanians Asia will not do it and the Middle East is sort of reasonably saturated in terms of, so there isn't really and South Africa isn't growing rapidly so so the possible areas where Tanzanians could migrate on a large scale they are sort of more or less closed at least for for large scale so that means that there's only one route and that is large scale uh, economic growth uh, big question of uh, whether you could have a ma whether whether Magafuli could succeed in his manufacturing uh, policies and and manage to attract some of the industries that are now finding chi China too expensive and are sort of uh, looking for new homes. Ethiopia is very actively pursuing that as a as a development strategy. I think uh, that that's a possibility, but but that's where one has to look. You only want to have a comment slightly? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah I, I think uh, if if the current leadership is clear and will address. Uh, so, so the economic question, the economic uh, problem in a clever way. I think there's openings, and if it will manage the resources as well, there are openings. Uh, because it remains still that, uh, in terms of natural resources, Tanzania is tremendously rich, it's very rich, uh, still rich in mining, uh, the petroleum is untapped still. Uh, natural gas is still being uh, it's just being exploited so uh, there's a way but still also uh, land availability is still there and this has been a fallback uh, area throughout that whenever economic conditions were difficult where people working in the urban or what they always go to the countryside have a plot and then it, there's plenty of land it's still there and if uh, worst comes to worst, I think naturally what will suffer will be the wildlife, I think, because you have extensive stretches of wildlife, and I think if there's still a huge population pressure, it's very likely there will be encroachment and people will settle on land. Mm -hmm. So not quite migration, yes, uh, there's that problem of migration, and uh, you have a lot of youths who were, um, so to say, um, hitchhiking on ships, going outside, etc. That has been a problem. But massive migration to the scales we are seeing now uh, in West Africa, people trying to cross the Mediterranean, I don't foresee it in the near future. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, I, I really enjoyed the responses. I think we'll go for the... Yes, well, I'll give you the floor first and then we'll go for the, the third one. Yes, please. My name is Haj, 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 I'm from Tanzania, from Rwanda. Uh, I was talking with my first thank you for presentations, very interesting. I was talking with my colleague here, uh, he's also from Zanzibar, when we just came in, I told you, um, those two hours, if you hear any words about Zanzibar, <laughs> I would be quite a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> At least I heard from the former ambassador talk about this uh, old. Norwegian uh, businessmen who exported timber to Zanzibar. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> but uh, my point is, uh, 
You spoke about a small country in the world, Norway, about medium country in the world, Tanzania. But that medium country in the world, Tanzania, was came from another very tiny country, mm. which is Zanzibar. That's why we put the word Tanzania. Uh, it's very unfortunate to have been attending several uh, seminars like this uh, here in Oslo. And it's very rare to hear some things anyone mentioned about Zanzibar. Mm. I don't mean there's a lot of positive things in Zanzibar, but a lot of stupid, bad things happening there. So it's fair to mention about it. Mm. When you talk about democracy in Tanzania, it's not just a boring mistake, it's quite scary to be honest. Mm. Uh, there are a number of events still happening in Zanzibar now. Uh, someone was uh, found thrown away, beaten, and <coughs> he was recorded in the video. It's very public. And just uh, two days later, he died. That's in Zanzibar. Uh, so when you, I have participated. I've been uh, an observer to the several elections in Zanzibar, according to the Norwegian embassy, according to Norway. Uh, and I've been seeing a lot of uh, destruction of the human rights and uh, democracy. And I know that a lot of money Norway is giving to Tanzania and Zanzibar for maintaining the democracy, of course, the forests, of course, the health issues, now university relationships, and a lot of other things. But to see that people expecting every, people are in fear, expecting after every five years we have what will happen in Tanzania, what happened in Zanzibar. So, uh, to see that Norway spending a lot of money from people's tax here, taxation, in democracy, and people are really uh, expecting that international community, before they put their money, they will at least challenge these uh, rulers in Tanzania and Zanzibar. But after elections, nothing happened. So uh, it's, it's, it's like a waste of money, a waste of time, and also a waste of, and like a disequality in all Tanzania ones. So, please, when you talk about Tanzania next time, we didn't have a Arusha declaration in Zanzibar, so just don't put all in one mode. Sometimes that's what is happening in Zanzibar. It's a lesson. We're also curious. We want to not be just mentioning positive, even negative things happening there, but just mention about it, because there's a lot of money from Norway goes there, being spent positively or wasted. But it's good to mention because you can't mention mm. Tanzania without mentioning Zanzibar. Mm. That's the reality. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. It's a, it's a very good question. I had put down here on my previous prepared notes that we have not talked about the union so far. <laughs> and this is something I wrote before coming here. Uh, because I thought that uh, the mm. union was not going to come up as an issue. And uh, I think you, you nailed the... You, 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 you put the hammer on the nail. Because the union is one of the most contentious issues in Tanzania at the moment. And uh, probably the, the, the worst case, well, the bad scenarios we are seeing now in well, in mainland Tanzania, of course, there's something which has been going on for a long time in Zanzibar. So I wonder if you, the three of you could reflect a bit on the situation in Tanzania from the perspective of Zanzibar and the union. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think it's, uh, 
quite clear among Tanzanians, in particular, that among uh, unfinished businesses in Tanzania is about the constitution. Is there? And there was uh, a big initiative started in the last government, uh, the last president before this one, uh, to uh, prepare a draft for a constitution, a union. And I'm saying this, what you say, Haji, is right. And I'm, uh, I, uh, what, uh, what I mean here is that uh, the resolution, the problem of Zanzibar, has, uh, can get a solution through a negotiated and uh, uh, collectively agreed constitution. Uh, that's what, and everyone, everyone in Tanzania believes that the constitution issue is an unfinished business. Uh, this government was expected to continue with the uh, discussion, the process of preparing a new constitution, but uh, the president unilaterally decided that he will not, he will not uh, uh, work on a constitution. And his argument was that uh, that wasn't part of uh, my manifesto. I never promised anyone a constitution, so that's what he said. So he said he is not going to touch on that. But I think it's a latent issue, and I think somehow it will crop up. And once it's thoroughly discussed, I think it will be, uh, it will end in having a fair uh, treatment for both parties, parts of the union, I think. Thank you. Uh, you? Yeah, no, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, <laughs> illustrate. I think uh, of the way we talk about uh, Tanzania because we, we, we talk about Nyerere as the great nation builder and that's true for Tanganyika but not for Tanzania actually. I mean, Nyerere was a great nation builder for Tanganyika but not for Tanzania. Uh, uh, and I think there are, there are two, uh, two uh, interrelated issues here. One is uh, one is the, the deep internal split in Zanzibar. And of course Zanzibar is politically very different from the mainland by there being sort of elections being hotly contested and there being a, a sort of deep divide in, in Zanzibar society split in two halves roughly speaking and then one can, when, when, when that happens one can always uh, discuss the margins and who won who won which elections but 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 the the fundamental fact i think is that zanzibar is split deeply in two uh, along lines which are sort of yeah one can also discuss them and then then there is the union issue and of course those are those are uh, interrelated and i uh, i i agree with you that this is an unresolved issue but it is not only a, a sort of a union constitution issue, it's also an internal Zanzibar issue. And both of them, if you're going to find sort of a pe peaceful way forward there, you need to find a solution both to the, the sort of the place of Zanzibar in the union, but also to how to deal with the deep political divide in Zanzibar, where elections in a way doesn't solve it. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, thank you very much for a very good point. Uh, and I think we all feel a little bit embarrassed here with the good reasons. But, uh, no <laughs> but I mean, it's a very good reminder. Because, uh, so for me, I, uh, I mean, in the terms of the, um, in the picture of economic trends, which I tried to, uh, to uh, talk about, actually Zanzibar um, has, holds a very promising sign in, uh, and not when it comes to social protection. I'm, I'm, re I'm referring to the old pension scheme, which is uh, piloted in Zanzibar, uh, and which is actually a universal scheme. For it's an old, uh, for all old people, is it above 70 in, in uh, Zanzibar? And which has very good results in terms of, of, um, of both being uh, uh, unbureaucratic and also uh, being, um, I mean, of, of course, re uh, giving a uh, um, social security floor for, uh, for all people, uh, also being redistributive because the, the grandmothers share <laughs> with uh, their grandchildren. Mm. Um, Politically, of course, the situation, uh, I mean, the story of the elections in Zanzibar is a very good <laughs> illustration of the, uh, of the um, ongoing uh, repression. And, and I mean, if I think all, or, I mean, international observers uh, were very worried and the, election, the results of the elections there were not... Were not um, uh, what's called? Uh, legitimate. Yeah, legitimate. So, so I think uh, no, it's 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 uh, it's uh, an issue which also in should be given more attention. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think this was a, a very good uh, question. Well, it's a good uh, theme to end on. I'm sorry we didn't have more time for questions. I'd like to ask the panel one last question. And I want a yes or no answer to this question. So I'll start here with Ali. Is Magufuli a new Nirera? A what? A new Nirera. A new Nirera. A new Nirera. Is Magufuli the new Nirera? No. Yes or no? No? No. No. <laughs> <laughs>